Previously on Whatever Wando, we created the ultimate college football offense. This week, we head to the defensive side of the ball and create the ultimate team. Let's get to it. So before we talk about the defense, let's talk about the Super Bowl. The Rams won 23-20 over the Bengals. And it's still crazy, even though it's over, to think that the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Uh, and that's no slight towards you Bengals fans. Uh, I'm a Bears fan, so like when I try to remember the Bears in the Super Bowl, it's always crazy. Like, oh my god, we once were good enough to make the Super Bowl. Uh, I just don't think anyone saw this coming. Like, if there is a Bengal fan out there who's got some sort of betting slip of you even predicting them to make the Super Bowl, good for you. Hopefully you cashed out before the Super Bowl. But good for you, and I think you're a team on the rise. And that shows you had a lead in the Super Bowl against a really good team. A lot of people thought the Rams were going to make it this far. Um, and, yeah, you still have a ton of weapons. T. Higgins caught two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Jamar Chase made a few big plays. Tyler Boyd still was making plays. Uh, Joe Mixon really could like, he had a few good runs, but, you know, they weren't going to let the run stop him, obviously, and... The Bengals have a bad offensive line, which doesn't help. Joe Burrow made some good plays. Unfortunately, once again, he was dealing with a bad offensive line. Like, it's unfortunate that, like, sometimes before a game, like, whether we have a week or two weeks to talk about it, we beat a certain point to death, to the point that, like, I feel like it doesn't happen then. Like, we say it so often, it doesn't happen. This is one of the few times that I remember where everyone said the same thing. Well, the D-line of the Rams is really good. You know, they're monsters. And then the D-line, I mean, the offensive line of the Bengals is really bad. And everyone said it. Everyone said it. And that's what happened. Joe Burrow got sacked seven times. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl if you get sacked seven times. And you see he was just getting pressured. He had no time to hold on to the ball. So they really had to rely on big, you know, explosive plays. And for the most part, the Rams held that in check. Uh, you know, the Bengals had a good drive. that They scored with a pass from Joe Mixon to T. Higgins. Then they threw a bomb to T. Higgins, where T. Higgins kind of got away with pushing on Jalen Ramsey's face mask. And then even at the end of the game, uh, if you've seen the Twitter picture of it, when Joe Burrow's getting sacked for the last time, uh, I don't know if he officially got sacked. I think it just was an incompletion because he got the ball away. Uh, Jamar Chase has beaten... Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is on the ground, and it is just Jamar Chase and pay dirt. And if Joe Burrow just has like an extra second, you know, we are heading for possibly overtime because, you know, there's there was still would have been a decent amount of time left for Matt Stafford, but a whole different ball game. But that Twitter picture is also like super mean because it reminds me of um it's a weird connection, I know. It reminds me of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. For those of you who've never seen the show, basically you answer trivia questions and you can keep on going for a million dollars. If you get it wrong, you either lose everything or you go back to certain like checkpointed money. It's like 
then like the million. But at any time, you can just tap out and be like, I'm done, which is fine. But the host, whoever it was, whether like Regis Philbin originally did it, and they, you know, there's a bunch of different regional people. Whenever you tapped out, they always just said, like, just for fun, tell us what your guests would have been. And I always thought, I don't want to (laughs) know. Like, don't give them an answer because then you have to live with that if you would have been right. Yes, it's great if you would have been wrong. You're like, oh, thank God I you know, tapped out. But if you say like, oh, my answer would have been C and that was right, then you got to live with that forever. So I wouldn't want to know. The same as if I'm a Bengals fan and I see that Twitter picture of Jamar Chase by himself and Jalen Ramsey on the ground. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to see that. That's just going to make me feel terrible. So the Bengals did well. Um, I do feel bad for the Bengals because I don't know if they're going to make it back to a Super Bowl anytime soon. The AFC is stacked. Chiefs, Bills, Titans, Patriots are going to be good. The Chargers, uh, the Raiders are pretty good. You assume the Ravens are, the Ravens are going to be better next year. Uh, maybe the Browns will be better. They probably need a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, but I'm a Bears fan, so what do I know about good quarterback play? AFC is going to be tough. Very tough. So, you know, everything kind of lined up perfectly for the Bengals. So you're afraid they might not make it back. Um, They need offensive line help, obviously. They have a stud at quarterback. They have a bunch of weapons. But once again, and I said this on the Pot of Fame episode I did about the draft um, way while back when we talked about Jamar Chase. It's great to have all those weapons, but if you're on your back, you can't throw the ball. And that's what happened at the end of this game. You know, Joe Burrow was looking up most of the time or just being having three or four dudes just around him. So it was brutal for them. On to the winning side, the Rams. There were times in this game they did not deserve to win it. Like, Sean McVay, for all the credit he gets for being like an offensive genius, kept on running the ball down the middle, was getting like, like one or negative one yard every time and setting Matt Stafford up for terrible field position. Uh, In the beginning of the game, it felt like they had something going. You know, they get their first touchdown kind of gifted when Cincinnati goes for it at midfield in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Don't really get that move. Um, OBJ gets a touchdown. OBJ looked great in the first half. Then he blows out his ACL. feel terrible for him. Um, He looked like he was about to have a monster game. And then kind of just everything stopped for a little while. They just couldn't move the ball. And then eventually at the end of the game, what happened happened. Cooper Cup took over. And it reminded me of the Chiefs-Patriots game um, in the AFC title game. This is the one that Brady beat Mahomes in where the Patriots just kept throwing it to Julian Edelman. Everyone in the stadium, everyone at home, everyone knew the ball was going to keep going to Julian Edelman. And for some reason, the Chiefs couldn't stop it. They couldn't do anything about it. The same thing happened in the Super Bowl with Cooper Cup. Everyone at home, everyone at that stadium, everyone knew those passes were all going to Cooper Cup. The Bengals just couldn't stop it. And that's why they lost. Were there definitely some ticky-tack you know, penalties at the end of that game? For sure. I think the third down one against the linebacker was not a penalty. And I think that's the part that does suck, is that the refs really you know, hadn't made an impact on that game until then. And that's when they decided to. Um, but I think the Rams deserved it. I think overall they were the better team. 
Do I think they're going to repeat? Probably not. I don't know who's even coming back for this team. I think OBJ is a free agent. Aaron Donald's, you know, flirting with retirement. You know, there's talk uh, about, you know, the coach leaving. So I don't know. But this year's champion is the Los Angeles Rams. I'm sure all 15 of their fans are happy. Those are the most Rams fans I've ever seen in one place. They're definitely not real Rams fans. <laughs> Honestly, we should just give this trophy to St. Louis, but whatever. Uh, let's move on to the main meat of this episode, which is a defense. So last week, we set up our scenario. It's a Space Jam-like scenario where little aliens have come down and said, hey, we're going to take over the world unless you can beat us in a college football game. Uh, and you, here's a time machine. Go assemble the greatest college football team of all time that you can. So last week, I assembled an offense. This week, we move on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Before we start, I just want to make it clear, I am running a 4-3 defense. You may be asking why. The reason is, that's the defense I use in Madden, so it's the one I know the best. So that means I have, really the only impact is I have four defensive linemen, three linebackers, two cornerbacks, two safeties. All right, let's start assembling this team with starting with the defensive line. So before I tell you the players on the defensive line, I want to give you kind of like a key for some of the information I'm about to give you. You know, when you're a kid and you're reading a map, there's always a key that says like, oh, here's grassland, over here is prairie, blah, 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 blah. I know this because I give out those stupid maps still. Um, But sometimes I know I mention... Uh, you know, trophies that maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you're not a big college football fan, or you just don't know about these specific trophies. Um, I thought I'd let you know what they're for. So when you hear them, you're like, oh, that's impressive. Instead of that's a name I've heard before. Why is he bringing it up now? So let me just break down some of these trophies that some of these guys on our defense have won. So first there is the Lambert trophy, which is for the top linebacker in college. Then there's the Nagurski Trophy for the best defensive player. There's the Thorpe Trophy, which is for the best defensive back. Um, There's the Bednarik Award, which is also for the best defensive player. Uh, Very common in college, like they'll have an AP Player of the Year, the Players, you know, Player of the Year. It's just they double up on everything. It's like also how in boxing, how there's 19 heavyweight champions. I just choose to ignore it. Um, There's the Outland Trophy, which is for the best interior linemen. So we're talking like D-tackles. And then there's the Lombardi Trophy. Not to be confused with the Super Bowl Trophy, the Lombardi Trophy is for the best lineman or linebacker. So when you hear some of those, and then, you know, obviously there's the Heisman, which is basically the MVP of the season. Um, So when you hear those trophies, hopefully now they mean a little bit more than just things and thrown in there. So... We're in a 4-3 defense, so we have two defensive ends and two defensive tackles. Our first defensive end is Derek Thomas. He went to Alabama, and I want you just to hear his 1988 season. And also, keep in mind, these stats were broken down before the, the concept of a sack was invented. So people went back and calculated this data. Uh, he had 27 sacks, 39 tackles for loss, and opponents lost 204 yards on his sacks. That's in one year. That is the most absurd. Like, I literally had to reread it a couple times. Like, no, 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 that's got to be his whole career, right? No, 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 no. That's one year. 27 sacks. Yeah, he's on the team. 
he's going to go kill whoever the aliens put at quarterback. Once again, remember, Space Jam scenario. Our other defensive end is Leroy Selman from Oklahoma. Two-time All-American, his senior year, 132 tackles, 10 tackles for loss. He won the Outland and Lombardi Trophy. So once again, we got two studs on the defensive, you know, defensive ends, you know, coming in. Um, I know there's some other people that you might have thought I should have put on the team. Wait a little bit because maybe they're on the team at a different position. Hint, hint. Um, There were some other people I considered. Julius Peppers was in there. Miles Garrett. But, you know, I can't really go against the two guys I chose for defensive end. At defensive tackle, first we have Glenn Dorsey from LSU. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He was the Outland Trophy winner, the Degursky Trophy winner. Uh, He was a two-time All-American. Also, some of the other stats that he has are just kind of absurd um, when it comes to him. So let me just read them off for you. Uh, He won the national championship with LSU in 2007. SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, He had 179 tackles, 27 for a loss. 13 of them were uh, sacks. And this is from a defensive tackle. Any defensive tackle who gets like more than four sacks is impressive to me because your job is usually to eat up a double team. That is your job. You are clogging, running holes, eating double teams so those two defensive ends can get home. And Glenn Dorsey was, once again, he was able to clog up those running holes and get home. And that's going to pair up well with the other guy that he's going to be right next to in the middle, blowing up these offensive lines. And that's Ndamukong Sue. Ndamukong Sue, once again, went to Nebraska. He was a defensive tackle, played nose tackle a lot. 215 total tackles, 49 and a half for loss, 24 sacks, four interceptions. Uh, he had 12 sacks in one year. And in that year, he was fourth in Heisman as a defensive tackle. Do you know how hard it is to be on the Heisman list as a defensive player, let alone a tackle? Like, he was a monster. I don't think he ever reached his potential as as a pro, but the accolades he got, you know, in college, 2009 AP Player of the Year. Uh, He was the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. He won the Nagurski Trophy. The Bednar Trophy, he was a consensus All-American, the Outland Trophy winner, and Lombardi Award winner. So once again, we have two defensive ends who are going to be crashing in, trying to kill their quarterback. And if you try and run the ball, Glenn Dorsey and Adama Sue are there to meet you. Good luck. So I feel pretty good about our D-line. But hey, every once in a while, an offensive line, even against a good defensive line, will make some blocks. So we got to get to the next level. But, unfortunately for these aliens, who I got in the next level might be even scarier. So let's move on to the linebackers. So, you've made it past the defensive line. Fantastic. You're obviously off to the end zone, right? Wrong. Uh, Now you have to go against the linebackers I've assembled. And the two words I will use to describe these linebackers is fucking terrifying. These are three guys who, like in Jackass, like the movie, not what people call me on a daily basis, where they would say like, hey, dude, take a pass across the middle, let these three dudes beat the shit out of you. That's like what they would do on Jackass. 
If they wanted me to take a pass across the middle and get hit by these three guys, the number would have to start in the millions because I know I'm getting a concussion and probably breaking some bones. That's how terrifying these three guys are. And once again, there are going to be some big names left off this list. Ray Lewis is not on this list. Brian Arlacher, who was a great uh, linebacker in the pros, he was a safety in college, isn't on this list. There's a few really great linebackers who don't make the list. I thought about putting them on, but the three I put on, I really liked. So suck it. Make your own team. Uh, So let's start first with someone you might have expected on the defensive line, and that's Lawrence Taylor, who was a D-lineman, then he switched to linebacker. Lawrence Taylor, some people consider him the greatest defensive player of all time as a pro, went to North Carolina. This is his senior year, 16 sacks and 22 tackles for loss as a linebacker. And this is like before the, you know, what we have as linebackers now. As a linebacker now, you know, sometimes you play up, sometimes you're playing back. Like, this is normal linebacker. Yeah, he blitzed and stuff, but it isn't how we play an outside linebacker today. He reinvented the position. So the fact that he got this like as a normal like stand-up linebacker is nuts. For his career, he had 192 tackles, 21 sacks, 10 forced fumbles, and two interceptions. He was an amazing player, and like we said, he reinvented the linebacker position. The outside linebackers you see today exist because of Lawrence Taylor. Our next linebacker is LeVar Arrington from Penn State. Uh, he won the Buckkiss, Benarek, And the Lambert Awards in 1999, he was ninth in Heisman voting. He is known for his athleticism. He is on this team because not only is he just a hard-hitting Penn State linebacker, they used to churn him out like crazy, he's also super athletic. And he's going to be great in coverage, or if he needs to, like he did in college, literally just leaping over the offensive line and and making stops. Look up the LeVar leap and realize why I put him on this team. Once again, could Ray Lewis have been on this team? Yes. But if I'm looking at college, LeVar Arrington was more of a monster than Ray Lewis was. And then the final guy on this linebacker, this linebacker three-headed monster, this Hydra I've created, he's the guy, if you were designing a mean, nasty linebacker, he's the guy you'd end up with. And that's Dick Buckus. Went to the University of Illinois. His junior year, 145 tackles. 10 forced fumbles, two-time unanimous All-American. And against Ohio State that year, he had 24 tackles in a draw. Dick Butkus would beat you into submission with how much he was going to tackle you and how physical he was going to be with you. So, once again, I've already assembled an ath- a freaky athletic defensive line that's going to stuff the run and it's going to blitz you like crazy on the outside and get home. But if you get past them, Lawrence Taylor's coming. Freaky athletic, great at getting sacks. LeVar Arrington, great at stuffing the run and fantastic in coverage. And then what's ever left of you, Dick Buckus is going to hit. This is one of those things when you get to a core like that, you look your guys, you know, you look your players in the eye like this is going to be a long day. When I assembled this team and I looked at linebacker core, I'm like, oh, I'm not worried. Do you want to be that slot wide receiver going for a check down right in the middle with those three guys coming for you? No. Uh, I've never said what the rules of this game are. So if we're playing in Buckus's rule, 
like during his days, his rules, I don't know how many injuries we're going to have. It's going to be bad. If we're playing nowadays, my linebacker core might be ejected for targeting. So uh, that might be a wrinkle that I uh, should have figured out, but hey, I didn't. Uh, but yeah, my linebackers are, like I said, terrifying. So once again, in my Space Jam scenario, I've assembled probably the greatest front seven of all time. Could be argued, but I think it's the best. But no matter how good my front seven is, the back end of the team still got to be good too. And lucky for me, I found four of the best guys that ever existed. So let's move to the DBs. Hey, you listening to this episode. This is me, Dave. It's Wando. Listening to this from the future. And I'm coming here to interject before you get to the defensive backs portion of this because as I was going through my normal editing process, I'll pull back the curtain. Before I post an episode, I listen to it one last time and then I fix any errors I normally can. Uh, Usually I have my computer around to go fix it. I don't have it with me today. I want to get an episode out to you. So I'm going to have to kind of live with the mistake I made because sometimes when I record, I record in big chunks. So... Unless I want to redo a nine-minute chunk, I'm going to kind of have to just put something on the front end here. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, when I was assembling my DBs, I thought I made an all-star group. And I did. But by doing that all-star group, I missed a layup at cornerback. A guy who shouldn't have even been a second thought. I literally thought about him the other day when I was driving, thinking about this topic. And that's Deion Sanders. You're going to hear in my spiel a little bit, I put Patrick Peterson on the team. Patrick Peterson is my corner, uh, my nickel cornerback. You know, he will be the first, you know, when I, once again, we're going to be running a ton of nickel and dime. He's going to be on the field a bunch. But my starting cornerback to go along with a guy from Georgia you're going to hear about is Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, primetime, swaggiest nickname, kick returner, punt returner extraordinaire, uh, he had 14 career interceptions. Three of them returned for touchdowns. There's no way I can leave Deion Sanders off this list. And the fact that I did for a minute is shameful. I am ashamed. Feel free to shame me at whatever Wando on Twitter or at whatever underscore Wando on Instagram because I deserve it. But I wanted to kind of interject in here and say Deion Sanders is on the team. Deion Sanders is the starting cornerback along with a gentleman you're going to hear about who played at Georgia. So now let's return to your previously scheduled program. So on the back end of this team, we have a bunch of freaky athletic guys. Uh, We got two cornerbacks, a strong safety and a free safety. Most of these guys are interchangeable in the way that I mean of their position. That's how freaky athletic all these guys were. Almost every guy in the secondary did something else. So that means they either were, they also were a wide receiver at times, they returned kicks, they returned punts. They all did everything except for one guy. You probably could have, they just didn't need him. 
So let's first start with Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey went to Georgia. He was the Nagurski winner in 1998, who's a consensus All-American. He also returned kicks and punts. He also wider like a wide receiver with like 710 receiving yards. He was an all-around stud and he locked up a side of the field. You want to talk about Revis Island? Champ Bailey was locking down people. Not only had an island, had his own continent. Good luck throwing in his direction. He had so little interceptions because of the fact is that people realized how good he was and didn't bother throwing his direction anymore, which I don't kind of blame them for. No, might as well. Take your chances on the other side and not go against Champ Bailey because you're going to regret it. So Champ Bailey is covering up one side. The other quarterback is Patrick Peterson from LSU. He had 135 total tackles, seven interceptions. In 2010, he won the Bidnarik Award. He was a consensus All-American. He won the Jim Thorpe Award. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He played some offensive snaps. He returned kicks. He did everything, and he was amazing at all of it. Once again, he was freaky athletic, super fast. There is no wide receiver that is going to burn prime Patrick Peterson. So, hey, maybe your one wide receiver is going to be guarded by Champ Bailey. Maybe you think your speed guy is going to get past Patrick Peterson. Good fucking luck. Because Patrick Peterson is, like, if you go watch his LSU tape, he is a rare talent. And why maybe he hasn't lived up to that hype as a pro, as great as he was at LSU, it is hard to ignore how great he was in college. How talented he was, how talented he was, how like smart he was, like how he read plays, he knew when to make the move, and he wasn't afraid to come up and make tackles. So Patrick Peterson is our other cornerback. Now let's move to the safeties, which honestly I think is my favorite collection of two players. Because I'm gonna save the last, you know, the best for last, because it's the one guy who I think everyone knew was gonna be on this list. Uh So let's start with strong safety. Strong safety, I'm going to take someone from the U, the University of Miami. I'm going to give you a second here, because right now in your head, you're like, all right, safeties that went to Miami. And right in your head, you got two things in your head. You're thinking Ed Reed, and Ed Reed's great. I didn't pick Ed Reed. I took Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor, 14 interceptions. Two hundred uh, in the in two thousand three was a consensus All American. He was the Big East Player of the Year. Uh, also in two thousand three, he had ten interceptions, uh, three return for touchdowns, and he led the entire team in tackles. And if you want to know why I took Sean Taylor, once again, I know why I said in the beginning, you know, of my last week's episode, like we're ignoring their pro career. That's fine, but I could ignore my own rules. If you want to know why I took Sean Taylor. You know, rest in peace, Sean Taylor. Go look at him play in the Pro Bowl. There is a hilarious play where Sean Taylor is playing in the Pro Bowl, and he's on the NFC. He got drafted by the Washington, now Commanders, such a dumb name. I never talked about it, but dumb name. Uh, By the Washington Commanders. Uh, So he's on the NFC, and the AFC decides to run a fake punt. And for those of you who don't watch the Pro Bowl, it's the all-star game for the NFL, and it's the weirdest of all the all-star games because, you know, in the NBA, like, you can still try hard because it's not really a contact. Like, you are making contact, but it's not severe contact. Same with baseball. Football, it's kind of everyone's half-tackling. They're having fun. This is back when they used to go to Hawaii. 
So everyone's having a good time, and the AFC decides to run a fake punt. And Sean Taylor proceeds to lay out this punter in the Pro Bowl. And that's when I was like, I love Sean Taylor because this is hilarious. Sean Taylor was a freak. He was on, once again, he's the guy who I mentioned who didn't have to do other stuff. And that's because the U back then, not now, but back then, was so scary loaded at talent. They didn't need him to play multiple positions. But he's my strong safety. He will, once again, play great coverage. But if you're going to run the ball, you not only have my front seven, but you got Sean Taylor coming in like a wrecking ball coming for whoever's got the ball. So good luck to that person. Because if you watch any of his highlights, he hits like a truck. That's the reason he forced so many fumbles. And that's the reason why he hit so many punters in the Pro Bowl. Because he could lay the wood. So that's my strong safety. Last but not least, at free safety. A guy that everybody knew was going to be on the team. There's not a person who thought this guy wasn't going to be on the team. If he did, you're dumb. Uh, That's Charles Woodson. He went to Michigan. Uh, Let's just break down Charles Woodson's accolade, shall we? Uh, 18 interceptions, 162 tackles, 25 pass breakups. He was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year twice. He was the Player of the Year in 1997. He was the Defensive Player of the Year also. He won the Degurski Award, the Jim Thorpe Award. He was a two-time All-American. He was unanimous in 1997. And, oh, yeah, he won the Heisman as a defensive player. Let that sink in for a minute. He won it as a defensive player. It wasn't like there weren't any offensive players who were deserving of the award. There were some offensive players who had some damn good years. Charles Woodson as a returner, sometimes used as, you know, an offensive weapon, and as a defensive weapon, took over football games. He is literally, like, he is the answer to a trivia question. Like, who's the last defensive player to win Heisman? It's Charles Woodson, and there's a damn good reason for it. Because no defensive player has impacted the college football game and a season the way that Charles Woodson did that year. And that's the reason he's on this team. He is now, and who knows, he may always be the greatest college football safety of all time. If I am being very honest and I am assembling this team... The first pick was Charles Woodson. Even though I said him last, he was the first guy on the team. It's like, it's once again, it's like if you're assembling the greatest basketball team of all all time, you already know Jordan's on the team. There's no point in even saying his name. He's on the team. Well, the same is with this. When I was assembling a defensive team, Woodson was on the team. Honestly, I think if you break it down by even offense and defense, There are arguments that could be made at every position, I think, except for Charles Woodson. I think at every position you could go like, oh, maybe this person deserves it more than this, except for Charles Woodson. Offense or defense? You know, I picked Tebow as my quarterback. You may disagree, and that's totally fine. There's a few, there's multiple other quarterbacks you could have picked. What other safety was better than Charles Woodson? You could pause, like pause this and send me one on Twitter. You can, you know, send it to my email at, at whatever Wando. Well, I guess it's not at, it's whateverwando at gmail.com. Find me a better safety than Charles Woodson in college.
you're not gonna. So when I was finding the anchor to this team, it was Charles Woodson. And I don't regret it at all. So this is the team I have assembled. Once again, quick little recap for you. So defensive line is uh, Derek Thomas, Indomitian Sue, Glenn Dorsey, and uh, Leroy Selman. The linebackers are Lawrence Taylor, LeVar uh, Arrington, and Dick Butkus. My cornerbacks are Champ Bailey and Patrick Peterson. And my safeties are Sean Taylor and Charles Woodson. Once again, this is for the fate of the universe. And I think I might have shut out these puny little aliens. So, the world is saved. You're welcome. So, I want to say once again, like I do each week, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whatever Wando. This show during this year, during the pandemic, has just meant so much to me because it's given me a creative outlet. You know, there's sometimes, you know, during this pandemic, we feel like we're living like Groundhog's Day. It's over the same day, over and over again. So having this outlet has been amazing for me. And so I can never thank everyone who listens enough. Uh, But next week, we move away from the world of fantasy drafting. And we are going to move back into the bread and butter of this podcast, which is lying, which is conspiracy theories. And next week, we're going to talk about Spygate. And specifically the conspiracy theory that the NFL destroyed evidence that proved that the Patriots cheated to win their first Super Bowl. See you guys next week.